Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. When you're born again, born of God, born from above, you're born a baby a spiritual baby. The scripture said, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And then the scripture also talks about the meat of the word, uh, contrasting that from the milk of the word. And as you grow, you're just like a baby, a physical baby, you're able to, to take more solid food, more substantial stronger food. And so that's true spiritually, and that's part of what should be going on here in faith school, is that you hear, you grow, and you can hear more, and you can understand more. You know, there's some things that a, a three-year-old can ask you that it's hard to answer them. You could tell them the perfect answer, they still wouldn't know the answer. They still wouldn't understand it. They don't have the life experience. They don't have the perspective. They just have to grow some and learn and develop to understand the answer. And that's certainly the way it is with God. When he calls us his little children, it's not a figure of speech. Compared to him, we are little, little children, even the ones that have developed some. But you can grow up. And you can understand more. And if you feed you, this is this is the result of not just going to church one time or feeding on the word a couple of times, but this is something you do daily, uh, ongoing, week after week, uh, month after month, year after year. And you do this, and you'll look back after a few months and a few years, especially, and you'll go, "Wow, you know." Uh, I don't think now like I used to think. I don't see things where well, you've grown, you've developed, and you have ears to hear even greater things now. So get your Bible, come on into the class, and let's get some more of those things. Father, we do, we reach out to you. We say, give us ears to hear and hearts that can discern and understand. Give us utterance today and an opening of the eyes of our understanding, a revelation of light and life and truth in your goodness and your good ways. We ask it in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. We know it's your will to do it for us. Amen. Look, please, in the Scripture to 1 John 5 again. We've been for a number of days now on a topic that we're calling uh, faith, that overcomes. And it's based on this verse right here, 1 John 5, 4. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God 
overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. This is the answer to winning every battle. If it's in the world and it can, ca- and it can cause you a problem, it can be overcome. If you are a child of God, you're born of God, and if you deal with it in faith. Say it out loud, I'm born of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a born overcomer. And how is it that you do this? How is it that you overcome again and again and triumph and win again and again? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. In Romans 10, if you want to look again, we've noticed this repeatedly, that he was describing how one is born of God. Uh, Romans 10, 9 and 10, that you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, and you are saved. And uh, that is being born of God. And this is for anybody that will do it. Verse 13 says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then he talks about in verse 15, the gospel. He says, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. We could say the the good news of shalom and bring glad tidings of good things. He said, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report. So then faith comes by a report, and the report by the Word of God, the Young's literal translation so reads. And you can see he keeps repeating the concept of a report. And he calls the gospel a glad tidings. Tidings means news. Well, what is news? The reports. It's the announcement of the reports. And so the gospel is called the good report. Go back again to Numbers 13. We we saw such a clear example of the sharp contrast between a good report and a bad report. God had delivered his people out of Egyptian bondage. This is Numbers 13 we're going to. Through amazing um, signs and wonders, miracles, they would have never been set free had it not been for God's miraculous power and intervention. And they have seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And now they're at the border to go into the promised land. And what we learned yesterday is that God had gone into great detail about the good land that he had chosen for them and prepared for them. We read in Deuteronomy 1 and 6, chapter 6, and and chapter 8, and chapter 11, there is such a a rich description of the land. Without taking the time to go through and read every one, I gave you the chapters, but um, he said, I'm going to paraphrase and put it together, he said, I have spied out the perfect place for you, (laughs) and it is good. It is very, very good. That's what the Hebrew means when it says exceeding good. Very, very good. He said it's a land. It's not like 
the land you worked in Egypt that you had to irrigate and pump water with your foot and all that stuff? He said, no, nah, no. Nah. I rain on it in the beginning of the year and get your crop started. I rain on it in the end of the year and finish up the crop real good. I watch over it. God watches over it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. He said, it's a land where you will have such rich crops and flocks and herds. And he said, and houses you didn't build, full of good things, vineyards you didn't plant, orchards and crops. And he goes on and on. And this is what the ten spies slandered and brought up, the Bible says, an evil report against the land. Read there in Numbers 13, when Caleb said in verse 30, let's go up at once and possess it for we're well able to overcome it. They said, we are not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than us. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched to the children of Israel saying, the land, what land are they talking about now? The land God was said so was amazing that he picked out for the land through which we have gone to search it out. It's a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. This was called in uh, the next chapter a slander, that they slandered the land. Now we saw last couple of days too from Isaiah 5 uh, that you're not to call evil good. Woe unto those who call evil good and good evil, that call light darkness and darkness light and bitter sweet and sweet bitter, who are wise in their own eyes. See, they think, they, they consider themselves of uh, superior intelligence that these simpletons don't know that sometimes evil is good and sometimes good is evil. No, you're the confused one. <laughs> you're, the, you're the simpleton that needs to grow up and develop and acknowledge the truth. The truth is, God is good. And there's nothing else to dilute that. Right? God is good. Period. Exclamation point. <laughs> right? But period. Don't, don't try to be all smart on us and, and, well, no, no, now sometimes, you know, God in his mysterious ways, he will send you something evil because it's, I know it's bad, I know it hurts, but he has a higher purpose. Have you heard anything like this? It's just all over the place. It's all over the place and it's junk. It's contrary to the word of God. It's confusion. It's the work of the enemy. Don't believe these lies. I said, don't believe these lies. What will the truth do for you? Come on, help me out there. The truth will make you free. Glory to God. The scripture said they slandered. They brought up an evil, bad report. They said, oh, no. No, it's not a land where all your dreams come true, where you live happily ever after. It's a land where you will die. You will die the most horrible death. Giants will chop your head off. You will die here. It's a land that devours, eats up the inhabitants. You want to die? Go there. 
They're saying it's a bad land. It's a land where you die. The Lord took this personally. He had, what did he tell them? It's a good land. It's a land where you live, where you thrive. They said, no, it's a land where we die. And they even went on to say, I believe this is over in Deuteronomy 1, 27 or so. They said, it's because the Lord hates us. Yeah, you know, he brought us out here to kill us. That was his idea all along. See, this is some more of this twisted evil is sometimes the will of God. Come on, can you see that? It's that same evil stuff twisted. Yeah, see, God had this in mind all along. You know, nothing happens except it's him. Everything that happens is him. That is not true. I said that is not true. The scripture tells us that the, the source of something reveals its nature. Go with me to, to Samuel, 1 Samuel, the 24th chapter. Oh, they'll, uh, they'll put it up on the uh, amazing self-writing blackboard here. 1 Samuel 24 and uh, 12. This is the account when David had an opportunity to kill Saul, who was chasing him. And he wouldn't do it. I mean, he had been running for his life. Talk about inconvenience. They, they couldn't stay in one place very long. And they're always running and hiding and running. This has been going on for months and years. And you know that gets old. And now, here's an opportunity to take Saul out. And God's already told him, anointed him to be king. And it's best for the country. It would solve all the problems. You know, but the end doesn't justify the means. Come on, guys, did y'all hear that? Because people try to say that. They say, well, you know, I know this is a bad thing, but if it winds up good, sometimes you got to do a bad thing, you know, to make a good thing come out. That's the devil lying to you, devilish wisdom trying to trick you, trying to deceive you. No, David, in, in fact, you know, his men were like, take him out. Our problems are done. And on another occasion, one of his guys said, well, just turn around. I'll take care of him. I'll just hit him one time. That's all it'll take. He said, no, you won't. No. And this is why. First Samuel 24, 12, the Lord judged between me and you and the Lord avenged me of you, but my hand shall not be on you. As says the proverb of the ancients, wisdom proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be on you. Wickedness comes from what? The wicked. Listen to other translations. Uh, that, That is the word for evil. And you'll see that in these other translations. The NIV says, from evildoers come evil deeds. So my hand will not touch you. Why? Because that would make him, if evil came from him, that makes him evil. Evil from, from evil, evil proceeds from evil. From evil people and evil beings come evil things. So can evil come out of God? Now this seems like a simple question, and it is, and the answer is simple. Absolutely not. 
But how much of the world's confused about this? So many people are confused. You, you can't get evil from God because there's no evil in God. Oh, come on, are you with me or not? You can't. Now, there's a lot of evil happening, but it's not coming from God. There's a lot of evil and there's a lot of destruction. How many remember the scripture said in Peter, it's not his will that any should perish. Is that true or not? Yes. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm so glad to know this, aren't you? Yes. I'm so, so glad to know this. Listen to uh, uh, these other scriptures. This is the Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Deuteronomy 32, don't turn there, but just, just listen. 32, 4 said, God is the rock. His works are perfect. All his ways are just. This is the NIV. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. The, the BBE says it like this. He is a rock. He's the rock. Complete in his work. All his ways are righteous. A God without evil. Who keeps faith, true and upright is he. Do you believe that? Yes. He's a good God. Yes, How much bad is in him? None. How much evil is in him? None. How much evil comes from him None. that he does? None. If evil comes out of you, that means you're evil. Part of you or all of you is evil. Evil comes from the evil is the scripture that we read. And so Psalm 5 says it like this. Psalm 5, 4 says, For you're not a God that has pleasure in wickedness. And that's the same word for evil. Neither shall evil dwell with you. The BBE says, You're not a God who takes pleasure in wrongdoing. You know, he said more than once in uh, the writings of the prophets, he said that he has no pleasure in the death of him that dies but that he or she would repent. God gets no pleasure at all out of the evil and bad things happening on the planet. If he did, if he enjoyed it, what would that make him? If you enjoy seeing people suffer, what does that make you? Come on, can you see this? Uh, no, he has no pleasure in that. Uh, the good news says, you are not a God who's pleased with wrongdoing, and you allow no evil in your presence. Evil cannot dwell with you, one says. Hallelujah. He is light. He is life. He is good. And there's no evil in him. Can you say amen? amen. Psalm 92 repeats this truth. I'm laying a foundation. I want you to be sure. <laughs> right? And not question this. Not ever let anybody cause you to question this. Psalm 92.15, he said to declare that Jehovah is my rock, there is no perverseness in him, and that's the word for evil. The, the New Living says there's no evil in him. The New Century says there's no wrong in him. God's Word translation says he's never unfair. He does nothing wrong. Uh, I like the Living Bible says there is nothing but goodness in him. Nothing but goodness. Turn to 1 John, the fifth chapter, because this New Testament passage really is clear on this. Uh, it's, it's more detailed than um, some translations bring out. 
But it's 1 John 1 and 5. This is the message that we've heard from him. And we proclaim to you, God is what? He's light. And in him is what? No darkness at all. Now the language here in the Greek is is specific. And uh, you'll see it in some of these other translations. The Holman translation says, God is light. There is absolutely no darkness in him. The complete Jewish says it like this, God is light and there is no darkness in him, none. And the reason they're saying it like this is because of the original words. Um, the, the Wiest translation says it like this, and to me it captures what, what I'm endeavoring to, to express. It says, God as to his nature is light, and darkness in him does not exist, not even one particle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Darkness, and, and darkness, the words darkness and evil are used interchangeably. Or the word evil is the same word we use for, we say bad for today. Bad, the opposite of good. And it's what Isaiah had said, don't call evil good and good evil. And the next phrase says, and don't call uh, light darkness and darkness light. And don't call bitter sweet and sweet bitter, and don't be wise in your own eyes, thinking you know something beyond that good is good, and bad is bad. Right? And what is the truth here? There is, God is light. And in Him, how many believe the Bible? There is no darkness at all. Not any, not even a particle. (laughs) the smallest amount you could talk about. None. None. So if it's bad, it didn't come from God. I said it didn't come from God. Like the scripture said, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Why? It's bad. Right? It'll hurt you. It makes you subject to bondage. God didn't send us evil things, bad things, that still kill and destroy. John 10.10 says it's the thief that does that. Well, God's not the thief. Don't call the Father a thief. Don't call Jesus a thief. That's the enemy. That's the devil. And Jesus said, I am come, in that same verse, John 10.10, this is amplified, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full until it overflows. Well, it said that you might have and enjoy life to the full until it overflows. Does that sound like this promised land that he was talking to him about? Have and enjoy life, abundance to the full. Let me me repeat it for you again. I found you a land. (laughs) And and does God know where to look? Come on, help me out. Does God know his real estate? You know, they say, you know, location, location, location. Well, God says, I got you location. I got you. I got you. I found it. I picked it out for you. It's a land that drinks of the rain of heaven. It's a land 
where you won't lack anything in it. You will not experience scarcity at all. You'll have abundance from the top of the ground. You got precious metals and minerals under the ground. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you're just going to waltz in there and possess cities, whole cities that you didn't build, already built, ready for you to move in. Goodly houses you didn't build. Just bring your clothes and come on in. Full of good things that you didn't have to get. Orchards you didn't plant. Vineyards you didn't plant. On and on. Wells you didn't dig. What does that sound like? Good. I have, I mean, we, we hear the prophet say this. I know the thoughts I think towards you. I know the plans I have for you. Good plans. Oh, somebody say good plans. Good, good plans to give you an accepted end. You know, we're told in what we call the Lord's Prayer, we're taught to pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Help me out. Thy will be done. What? On earth. How? As it is in heaven. Does God have two separate wills? A will of good for heaven and a will for evil and chaos on the earth. Because even though we don't understand it, it's really better for us. No. That's when he said, woe to those that call evil good and good evil. It's lies. He has, God does not change. So if something's his will in heaven, it was always his will everywhere. Right? So what's his will for the earth? Same thing. And if, if everything that was happening down here is the will of God, you wouldn't need to pray that God's will would be done. Because it would already be being done. No, the fact that he told us to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven reveals many, many places it's not being done and all kind of manner of evil and bad. And in God is no darkness at all, no evil at all, not even a particle, none. Not, did, did he want to make sure we understood this? I mean, how much clearer can you be? And we're told in James... Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no darkness at all, not even a particle, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Again, what is that saying? Never does God become a little bit evil. Never does God turn a little dark. Never do you come before the throne of grace. And the angel catch you and say, I wouldn't go in there today. I wouldn't. Nah, he's having a dark day today. I that would mean God changes. Right? He's up. He's down. He's happy. He's good. He's bad. He's mad. No, no, no. He does have what we call emotions and feelings. We got them from him. But he's always good. No matter what. He's always good. Say it out loud. My God is a good God. There is no evil in Him at all. Not any. Our time's up again today. There's much more to see. Come back tomorrow and let's see more of the goodness of God. 
here in faith school. I've got a victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390. 